What's up, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. Super stoked to have DistroKid supporting the podcast. They're the go-to for digital distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get music into Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts, they help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance. I really dig this company and I dig their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, artists, bands, DJs, performers, and any other creators that are recording music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. The best part about DistroKid supporting the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, which is absolutely huge, making their already affordable memberships even cheaper. So check out the link in the episode notes. I will put that there, or you can also find it in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Click that link and it will give you 30% off that sign up. Can't thank DistroKid enough for sponsoring the podcast. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give them more visibility on the national and international levels. Helping strangers find the podcast, just a great way to contribute to the sustainability and the growth of this thing. And uh, appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. It only takes a couple minutes. And uh, if you're not listening on iTunes, you can just hit follow and subscribe wherever you're listening to. That is also helpful. And uh, the podcast is also available on Spotify now, along with some monthly playlists that I've been dropping on the uh, the first of every month since the, uh, the beginning of the year. So there's a few of them up there now. And those links will be in the episode notes as well, trying to keep those pretty spread out genre-wise. And every other Wednesday, you can find volumes of I Dig Records, a series I've been doing with my cousin, where we're uh, doing the deep dive on a record, usually something from one of our collections. And uh, earlier this week, we dropped a Flying Lotus Los Angeles episode, which is such a trip of a record and one that I wasn't super familiar with front to back before we got into it. So I am... Uh, I'm happily educated about that one now. So if that sounds up your alley, we're just, uh, yeah, we're talking about tracks and uh, going front to back usually on it. And 
playing the tracks in the background while we're while we're talking and and pinpointing some specific moments. So every other Wednesday, I dig records in this podcast feed. You can find that. And this week, episode two hundred and fifty-two. I'm super pumped to share this conversation with Alice Ivy all the way from Melbourne, Australia. She is an incredible producer, writer, and musician. And I have been listening to so much of her music this year, and she has become one of my favorite artists. She's got some killer records, and it is always very fucking cool when you become a fan of someone and you have the opportunity to chat with them and they are just an incredibly kind person. And uh, that was my experience with with this chat. It is just so inspiring to, to talk with somebody that clearly has so much passion for what they are doing. And um, I think that is, uh, is clear in the, the Alice Ivy performances as well as the records and just her overall spirit seems to to be as infectious as her music is so just really really dope to to get to chat with her and hear about how um how she got hooked into music and where she has been able to take that to this point where she's not only making her own records, but she's doing a lot of producing for other artists as well. And um, also just great to hear that in Australia, there's seems to be a good amount of shows going on as uh, things start to ease up from the pandemic there. So it was, it was great to get to chat with her about the, the shows that she's been doing as well as her debut record, I'm Dreaming, which came out in 2018, and uh, her most recent one, Don't Sleep, which came out in 2020. Great records. Can't uh, encourage you enough to, to check those out, especially if you dig what you hear in this episode. And check out some, some live Alice Ivy videos as well, just so you can see the joyful energy in these performances is is very undeniable and just so, so fun to watch. So just feeling very grateful, uh, for the opportunity to, to have this conversation and definitely one that I had been really looking forward to and had built up a lot of, uh, anticipation in my head and it did not disappoint at all. So, uh, we're going to get into this thing. Big thanks to Alice Ivy for doing the podcast. I do want to mention uh, just before we get into it, I have been booking music here in Portland, Oregon at Produce Row. And there's live music going on there every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. And every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. And it's all free and socially distanced outdoor patio shows so uh yeah check out the calendar this coming sunday we got luke hogan who has been on the podcast before luke's a a great dude and uh his buddy lucas benoit is also going to be playing that day as well so a couple of singer songwriters this sunday may 2nd and uh 
this Wednesday. We got Jeff Chilton, also former guest of the podcast, JC Proof. So he'll be there. Uh, jazz duo going on. So if you're itching to see some live music, as uh, I have been quite a bit, it's been great to uh, it's it's been great to to see some some live performances down there, and uh, I'd encourage you to uh, follow that Produce Row Instagram, and they'll be posting about who's playing. But every Wednesday night and Sunday afternoon, free music here in Portland, Oregon, and uh, with all that. We're going to get into episode 252. All the links will be in the episode notes so that you can keep up with my guest, Alice Ivy, as well as everything else mentioned. And we're going to kick it off with one of my favorite tracks from Alice Ivy off of her I'm Dreaming album. This is Chasing Stars featuring Bertie Blackman. Let's do the damn thing. Well, if you're worried, why don't you call her up? You got her number in that little book of yours. Nothing, 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 nothing. It's just about eight o'clock in San
it going? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Sick. Um, what time is it? Where Where are you in the States? Um, I'm in Portland, Oregon. Okay, cool. It is 9 p.m. Nice. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this real late. Hey, no, no worries. Thank you for, you know, taking the time to do the thing. Appreciate it. No worries. I think this is probably like the 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 furthest time difference that I've ever dealt with. It's kind of a trip. I feel like this is this is like a special one cuz it's it's Wednesday for you. Alice, you're you're like in the future and I'm still trapped yeah. here. I'm I'm trapped <laughs> here in Tuesday still. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When it's Wednesday afternoon at two o'clock here in Melbourne, um, it's so funny doing this kind of stuff. Like, I've got a Zoom session tonight with an artist from the UK, and I feel like up until like before daylight savings hit, it was even more of a hectic time schedule. Like, it was like for us, like for a writing session, I had to start at like nine p.m. and their time it was like eight a.m., which is kind of really early to start a writing session. Like, it wasn't. It was just a really hard time to find a balancing sort of point. And it's so funny with Zoom now; it's just like the norm. Just yeah. being able to do this kind of stuff now, it's very strange. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are you uh are you pretty good about adapting to things like that? Do you uh deal with the challenges of that well? Uh I mean like I had a challenge logging onto this Zoom call right now, <laughs> trying to join to audio. Uh yeah, no, I I feel like it's just like that that's just the way it is, you know. I feel like it's just like any kind of thing, like artists need to be able to adapt and like it's just you know, with COVID hitting and stuff, it was just like a thing. It was like, yeah, you know, like this is, if you want to keep writing, you know, like I'm a producer, so I I do a lot of writing for other bands as well, not just the Alice Project. And so like, it just, it's like, if you want to keep going, if you want to keep working, it's just, you got to just like sacrifice, you know, your ego and just like deal with Zooms. And it can be a really difficult thing. It can also be really amazing. Um, yeah, definitely le- learned some tricks along the way in how to deal with awkward writing sessions over Zoom. Uh, done my fair share of them. <laughs> yeah, and because you're doing, you know, a lot of the producing work, is that stuff that you were doing kind of remotely, like working on projects before the pandemic happened anyhow? Yeah, uh, some, uh, some, some songs... I kind of generally, like, I'm definitely the kind of person that really, like, tries to push to be in the room with the artists. Like, that's how I've always been. And so, like, I'll go on really big riding trips to, like, the States and or used to go on riding trips to the States and the UK and just try and be in the room with the artists because it's, like, a friendship, you know? It's, like, you're really getting to know someone and it can be a little weird, a little bit more weirder over Zoom. But um, so I kind of, I do feel like I still, even though I had a couple of songs that I did via email correspondence, I did feel like it was still a challenge for me to overcome the old Zoom thing. But, yeah, I feel like I'm okay now. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's definitely, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to to catch a vibe over Zoom, you know? It takes a little more time to to build like the chemistry sometimes. Totally. But it's also really sick cuz like you can also press the mute button and be like, "Hey, here's the loop for you to work on. Like I'm just going to go away and work on the production for a bit." <laughs> and then chuck yourself on loop uh, on on mute and then it's like then they work on their parts, you work on your part, and then, like, you come together in, like, an hour or so. Because, like, in a session, sometimes, like, 
the artist will want to write a verse and you have to like loop the verse section and it's like it can be really frustrating because it's like I've already kind of like I feel like the verse is sitting well for me I want to really work on like what the drop's gonna sound like or what the pre-chorus is gonna sound like and so like you've kind of tinkering away and like doing stuff over the loop while the artist is trying to write to it can be a really challenging thing whilst with zoom it's just like hey here's this verse loop um i'm gonna go away and work on the drop i'll see you in an hour mute you know <laughs> yeah yeah I, I like when uh things force different types of creativity out of people though and and seems to uh you know so some people seem to to thrive in that that sort of environment and figuring it out for themselves Totally. I also think it's mad because, like, yeah, like, collaborating is amazing. Like, you're both putting, you know, everyone's putting their best songwriting skills on the table and it's, like, you learn so much and, yeah, it can be a really rewarding rewarding experience. And, like, you know, um, one thing that I sort of, like, especially with the Zoom stuff, like, one thing that I found really challenging was, like, obviously, you know, not, not everyone is a producer and so, like, when you're working with artists who don't know how to record their own vocals or, like, how to comp or, like, how to tune or anything like that, um, it can be really hard getting getting a, a demo across the line because of the technical like difficulties. And so like one thing that I was doing with a, with an artist was like there was someone, you know, like there was an artist and then there was another artist who was like kind of like top lining and like engineering. So like I was working on the beat and then like I was contributing to like melody and lyrics and then it was like the other the other person was like helping the artists like record the vocals and being like, oh, that takes good. Maybe that was a bit hot. Maybe just put your, your hand away from the mic, you know, like put your mic away from your mouth a little more. Like, so it was like sharing the workload a little bit, which was pretty badass. Like, because that was across three time zones as well. I was like, how is this even possible? That's wild. Ne- <laughs> never would have seen this happening. You know, like it's pretty amazing. Like we, I honestly would not be collaborating like this if it wasn't for the pandemic like there is no way I would be like you know for example tonight I'm working with a yeah like this artist from London it's like I would in a normal situation I would have been like oh I'll wait till I'm in London and then I'll collaborate with them you know like just because it's easier that way but now it's like no let's do this you know yeah Pretty cool absolutely well I'm super stoked to have the opportunity to chat with you I will uh I'll tell you I, I came across just randomly on Instagram, I I came across this Pile TV performance that you had done like a few years back. Oh, whoa. And pile Rats? Was that like Pile Rats? Yeah, oh. it's like Pile TV. Okay. And let's see. Let's see if I can bring this thing up. Is it like, am I wearing like a brown jumpsuit? Yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, that's like that's like ancient. <laughs> you know, it's it's weird because it came up just kind of randomly in my feed maybe a few months ago. That and is I, so random. Yeah, I don't know if it just like got reposted somewhere, and yeah. uh, it, I was just like Im- immediately gravitated towards it though and watched the whole thing and was oh. super blown away with what you were yeah just like what you were doing and i just thought that there was like so much going on in the performance of things and just a big fan of watching folks like you work all the the different uh the looping stations and and all the different gadgets you got going on stage and (laughs) all the different percussion and drum pads and, and things like that
was uh, I was super stoked to realize that that was not a new performance and find two records of yours right away because I was just like, <laughs> oh, I got to find out more about this Alice <laughs> Ivy. And uh, yeah, I've just been banging your tunes for the last couple months and kind of had this podcast on the books for six weeks or so. And I've been really looking forward to chatting with you just because I've been geeking out on the music heavy. Dude, thank you so much. That's so wild. I can't believe that like that video found its way into your feed. Like, what kind of algorithm is it's, that? Yeah, like- <laughs> it's so bogus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that was. I, I reckon that was probably maybe like three or like three years ago, three and a half years ago now. Which is um, a lot's happened since then. That's that's amazing. Thank you so much for reaching out. That's so dope. What a cool story. Yeah, for sure. I was just stoked on everything I found after that. And uh, one of the things that I really dig about your full-length records is uh, they very much, to me, play like a playlist or a DJ set, um, similar to the feeling I get from like listening to a K. Trinata record or something like that as far as the flow of things. And... Uh, yeah, just appreciate the hell out of the the sequencing behind all the records. Thank you. I'm a massive K. Trinata fan. I definitely think that 99.9% that record of his, oh. like, has definitely influenced, like, the way I make music, for sure. I remember when that came out, it was, like, everyone's minds were just, like, blown, you know? Yeah. Um, and I remember at the time when that came out, that's when I was, like, writing I'm Dreaming, my first record. So that definitely had an influence. And, yeah, I'm a true believer in sequencing. Like, um, I kind of feel like my records sort of, I, I kind of like to, you know, like in terms of ordering, I mean, it's a really, really tough thing to sort of order a record, but I kind of like order it like, you know, like a live show. It's like everything is sequenced and everything flows into one and into each other. And it just makes sense, you know, like it's like it needs it needs breathing space. It needs to be lifted here. It needs to open like this. The closing song needs to finish like this. Like I feel like it's just very... um. I really love, really love sequencing and I love like writing, you know, thinking of the whole picture like that. And, you know, like I feel like these days records are so, you know, with Spotify plays, playlisting and everything, you know, it's like the the whole record thing is, you know, trying to keep people's attention is really hard these days, I feel like, because everyone's just like being bombarded with information constantly. And like people, I feel like we've got shorter attention spans when it comes to music, like songs are getting shorter like it's it's pretty wild and yeah i I, i'm a true believer in the full album and sequencing is like one of the most important things i feel yeah thank you so much for the yeah thank you i love i love like talking about that because it's like so much thought gets gets put into it and it's you know you always get you always talk about like the big songs on the record but yeah i feel like it's cool talking about the smaller stuff as well and like how it flows and yeah Yeah, I don't know. To me, I think that's what kind of like can create a world within a record, you know, create this like full immersive experience. And that's that's definitely uh, the vibe I get from the the records, especially like on the I'm Dreaming record. Just even the the patience of that that opening touch track to just like wait until like two minutes to actually drop drop like the beat.
love that. And and also just as far as the you know the sequencing, just kind of the seamless transitions that that happen throughout the record you know where you if you're not like paying attention to the track listing you wouldn't maybe even know that it we're we're in a new song to a certain degree i feel like that definitely came from like i like that sort of that way of mixing i guess definitely came from like live performance like before i even had tracks out i was doing like beat sets where I'd like have all these different loops and samples and I just have like the APC 40 which you would have seen me play on and I was just you know hitting buttons and like you know I'd be like cool I'm gonna sample this like Marvin Gaye like song and then I'm gonna like sample these drums from somewhere else and then I'm gonna put them together and then I'm gonna play them together and then I'm gonna I'm gonna like mix to the next song by adding another loop and then taking one out and I guess that's sort of like is how I started like that's how I got into music production by like sampling and like cutting and like you know putting things together and taking things away and then mixing to the next song and I guess like that was what got me started and from then on I was like cool I need to make like fully length songs now I need to finish full I need to finish full songs so that's kind of yeah where my brain was at always just trying to mix things yeah absolutely like that Saint that Saint Germain track is one of my favorites of yours, but like the way that that rolls into Charlie, I think is like a really fucking <laughs> cool moment. And yeah, exactly like one of those moments where it just feels like you're you're listening to a DJ set. Dust and dirt settle on your skin. Dizzy you, in and out of doors every day. Think how much dust and dirt settle on your skin. And makeup clings to your skin, too, and clogs pores. That's why your face needs a thorough cleansing each day. And that's why cleansing tests were made by an independent testing laboratory. This same kind of dirt was made just radioactive enough to register on a garden cup. Thank you. Oh, that's so, yeah. I haven't spoken about I'm Dreaming in a very long time. I actually haven't listened to that record, I'm not going to lie, in a very long time. It's sort of like, you know, that was written like four years ago. So it's sort of just like, yeah, it's strange, like talking about it again. But yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate the, the, um, yeah, you've really paid attention to it, which is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to it. I've listened to it a yeah. lot. I just dig it so much. And uh, yeah, Charlie was your debut single as well. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? I mean, like, if you can call it a single, I guess it's like the first track. Like, I sort of was putting out music. I didn't have a team or anything. Like, I was just putting music out. And I just put that song out on SoundCloud and it was just like, you know, back in the day when SoundCloud was like a big thing. And I was like, hey, like, hey, everyone, like used to playing bands, but now, I'm you know, I'm kind of doing this beats thing. Like, check this song out, Charlie. And that was sort of like, put that out. And then like, I was kind of getting booked for like really small club shows and that sort of stuff here in Melbourne. And, um, and then I was like, cool, this is really fun. I should just keep making these songs. And then I just started to put out more. And then Touch was like, 
I would say, yeah, single, like, I kind of was, like, I always think of, like, Charlie as, like, my first sort of, like, it's almost like a demo, like, it was, it's a different mix that you hear on the, um, here on the album as well, so I was, like, it was kind of just, like, a, hey, everyone, like, check this out, whatever, then Touch was the first song where I actually had, like, a publicist, and it was serviced to radio properly, and it was, like, I had a show attached to it, and, and a tour, and that was, like, where it was, like, starting to really happen for me which is yeah um really funny thinking about it too like I I know that like that version of Touch also you know I wrote a different version for the album because I wanted the extended intro for the for the album yeah I love doing that shit I love like just having different versions like now in the live set I still play Touch in the live set but I I have remixed it so I remixed it again and and it's like completely different vibe but still has that sort of like you know, still connects to the original. Um, yeah, I really like to, um, yeah, it's so funny thinking about it now. Like now I have the freedom and I feel the confidence. I have the confidence to be able to do that kind of stuff. Just mix things up a little bit. Yeah. I would also imagine like once you have a song around for a while, maybe you hear it differently in the, in the future of like what it could have sounded like, maybe like this. And, and you obviously have the ability to, you know, do those types of remixes or play it differently in the live set. Yeah. What really fun, I, I really like, especially with live, like, um, you know, I'm not sure what the situation is like where, where you are right now, but with shows, but like live, live shows are back. So I've been on tour for the past month, pretty much like every weekend playing shows all around Australia. And, um, it's really fun. Like I kind of, you know, sometimes I'll just be like, Oh man, like I'm so sick of this song. Like I'll just like, I'll just quickly, like I'll remix it. I'll do something and then I'll chuck it in the set and I'll test it. And I'll be like, Oh, I wonder if that will go down and then I'll trial it at a show and then I'll keep it in the set. If it doesn't work, sometimes I'll be like, Oh, you know, it'd be really sick if we could like have this like massive, like, um, build and then drop into like JLo or something, you know, like just like kind of just like <laughs> mess with the audience a little bit, you know, like kind of, I really like to have fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I also like pick up heavy from even just watching your live performance videos is it often looks like you are having the most fun out of anybody else around, which I think is like amazing that that is conveyed through just even watching a video. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> I get a, a lot of people say that they're, like, they're like, you're so happy on stage. I don't know. I just find it like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's just like my way of dealing with my nerves is just to like dance, like, you know, like crazy or like, really just like have a good time just because that's just like, you know, like the more I dance on stage, the more nervous I am. Just that's a little Intel. Um, and so, yeah, I just like, I just like, I like to like really jump around and, um, my band are really great too. Like I've got this, like, um, I don't know if you've seen Louie, my guitarist in any of the videos, like he's just got as much energy as me and we've been playing together for like five years now, six years even. So like, we're really on the same level and it's just like, we both just really, really go for it which is so good and I feel like yeah especially with like electronic music I feel like you know a lot of people I, I really don't want to be the kind of artist that hides behind decks or hides behind my APC 40 and just not engage with the crowd and so like 
you know, I do play, I'm a multi-instrumentalist. Like I do pick up the guitar, I do play, you know, the, I'll hit an SPDSX or like I'll sing and I'll play bass. But I also, you know, like I really like to engage with the crowd and I feel like it's really important. Um, and so, yeah, being happy and showing, uh, showing, yeah, like lots of energy and stuff like that, I feel like is a really important part of my show for sure. Yeah, I think that that all-in mentality is uh, is is very clear in the performance, and I think that that definitely like contributes to the undeniability of maybe an experience like that. You know, I think just like watching what I've seen, it, it seems to me that it would be difficult for someone to like watch what you do and like not walk away with anything from it, just because it is so engaging. Whether you're like with a band or with yourself. Mm. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's, yeah, I, I, I never used to do that. Like, I used to be really shy, but I feel like I've just really, really um, turned a page with that stuff. Oh, but it's it can be really hard sometimes. Like, you know, like lately this last run of shows that I've been doing are, are theatre shows, like seated due to COVID. So, like, everyone's, uh. everyone's seated and everyone's got their masks on and, like, you're just like, hey, everyone, like, you, you're still with me? <laughs> You know, and it's just like sometimes like I played a show the other week and I was like halfway through in my head. I was just like, oh, my God, like, do I suck? Like, I just can't get them. I just can't yeah. get them. But like, it's it's a total one way thing. Like, it's like, you know, and you, you'll notice that like when you like when you look at your like the stories that you've been tagged in or like how much merch you've sold and how many people come up to you afterwards. It's like, no, it was definitely in my own head. But like those kind of things, like when the audience aren't on the same level as you, like in a theater environment, like can really make it hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does an experience like that, knowing that people aren't going to be able to do, you know, the normal vibe in and like dancing along with what's happening. Does that like make you think differently about how you're going to shape the set for a performance like that? Or do you try to just like stick with what you what Alice Ivy does. <laughs> no, I kind of, I second, uh, second answer to that. I try and stick with what I do. I mean, like I might tame it a little bit, like, you know, like I won't like, so I've, last front of festivals, I've been like dropping a remix at the end. And then I've just been like walking out like to the barrier and like popping a bottle of champagne and like getting into the crowd and stuff. Oh, yeah. But like, I don't, I don't do Like I won't do that at a theater show. Like, you know, one thing that I have been doing is like, this is, I feel like, yeah, I feel like this show is just like, it sounds so funny, but I've, I've been like, I've been adding a bit of Gwen Stefani as an intro. Like I'll walk on to sweet escape, like just for fun. <laughs> like I've just been doing it. Like I started doing it at a festival. Cause like, I realized that like, yeah, like, I sound like a total asshole, but, like, I feel like it's just, like, it's so cool being able to do that. Like, I, I feel like, you know, like, one really cool trick is, like, as an electronic artist is to, like, you know, have your own stuff and everyone knows it, you know, like, if they're buying tickets to your show, obviously they're going to know Alice music. But if you drop, like, a low-key banger, like, halfway through the set, like, it gets the crowd, like, real, you know, one that everyone knows, like, everyone just, like loses their shit and so like i've kind of been doing this like yeah. i've been like walking on to sweet escape by gwen, gwen stefani and that's been so good like i've kind of just walked on and just been like yeah and everyone's like Woo! <laughs> and it's like really fun but like obviously i haven't been able to do that as well like so for these theater shows it's like awkward as so i'll just like one thing that i've been doing and that's been a really cool thing to like 
help get crowds from the start is by like, I'll walk on and I'll be like, what's happening, Sydney? And then I'll be like, I was going to play this intro track, but you know, like you're all seated and I, you know, it's, it's a little awkward. So, you know, like, I know that you can't dance right now, but like, you know, I want you all to like, just like have a really hard boogie in your seats. And then like, I'll be like, you'll know this intro, like want to hear the intro track and then I'll just spit it. And everyone just like loses their shit. So I I feel like, you know, just like doing little things, little things like that to like, sort of like, yeah, you're acknowledging that it's a weird situation, that it's seated, that everyone's wearing masks, that COVID is a thing right now, but it's just like, just embrace the fact that it's happening and it's like we're all kind of in this together and that like we should be grateful that we're even playing live shows again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody, you know, that is there, whether they have to be seated or not, is is very excited to be there too because they, yeah, it's like this thing we kind of took for granted, like being able to go to shows and go do yeah. all the things we wanted to do has been like taken away. So now you, you like maybe there's some extra value to it now. Like even we're not really doing regular shows, I would say here, at least on the West coast. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple places in Portland that are doing some like low key patio shows. And it's just like, even that on Sunday, I watched my buddy do a beat set and someone else do a DJ set. And it was just, there was 20 of us and it's just like so nice to get to see like be around people that want to experience that, but just also get to watch people do the thing that they love to do after it's been so long, you know, like mm. one of them, it was their first show since the pandemic started. And like, that's just really to see special. those smiles. You yeah. Know? And it's really, yeah. yeah. And that's another thing that I always kept in mind. I'm just like, this is probably the first show that so many people are going to. And it's like, you know, this is a moment in time. Like, you know, this is a once in a lifetime thing. Hopefully fingers crossed that we will have to go through and people are going to remember this for the rest of their lives. So, you know, like, just be really positive about it. There's also been some, like, it's, like, there's been some backlash. Like, it's so funny, like, with, um, I've played a few festivals now and they've been COVID safe. So everyone's been in, like, little separated de- designated areas or, like, um, pods. And, um, mm-hmm. and, like, we've had to, like, sign, you know, like, things saying that we won't, like, call, we won't make the audience feel awkward, like, you know, like, someone made a joke about everyone being, like, little pigs in pig styes, like, and it's just, like, that's not okay, like, you can't, like, it's now in contract, which is so funny, like, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Oink, oink. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the new biz, it's the new business. <laughs> it's like who would have thought awesome. that that would be like in a contract it's like refrain from calling the audience like animals <laughs> it's like right, right? <laughs> in pens <laughs> yeah that's great oh boy <laughs> so help me uh piece together like how how we get to this stage in your your music journey um like how did you get started in music what what hooked you in uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, the first time, the first thing that I just like, the first time I picked up a guitar, so guitar has always been my main instrument. I was, I was 10 and, um, my uncle like had like a little home studio and it was really cool. Like he had all these like Gibsons sitting around and he had like a big desk and he was just like, it was always just this like really cool environment. 
And, uh, you know, like I grew up listening. My parents always had music going, like they're massive Pink Floyd fans, Queen fans, Super Tramp. Um, really, my dad's a massive Santana fan. So like just like music was always a thing in the household. And and I guess, you know, like being in the studio environment that my uncle had, like he, he was in Germany. So we'd visit him once a year. I was always like really fascinated by it. And so I kind of convinced him to teach me a couple of chords on the guitar. And that's sort of really what I just, I loved it. Like as soon as I got taught those chords, it was one of those things where I would literally practice and practice and practice and practice until I became like really, yeah, like I was just like, I want to know more. I, I became really familiar and comfortable with playing the guitar. And um a few years later, I just like started, you know, doing proper lessons and that sort of stuff. And I was playing in a couple of bands and, um, you know, like I was, uh, it never really happened for me though. Like I was sort of just really, um, just playing guitar in people's bands. Like I wasn't really, um, thinking, I didn't even know what music production was. Like, I feel like it's really interesting. Like when you think of like school and education, like, I hope that there's, I really hope that there's going to be like a future, like a change in like the way electronic music is taught or can be taught and introduced at a younger age. Because like as a young, as a, as a student, like I didn't know what production was. I didn't know how it worked. And it's such an important part in like making music today. So I didn't really realize what production was until I got to you. I, I studied a music industry course at, um, at a university in Melbourne. And, um, and I was kind of just like introduced to Ableton Live, which is the, the software that I used to produce in. And I was like, it, I was like, okay, cool. It kind of resembles garage band, you know, like, um, it's not special. I didn't really, you know, we were given the task of remixing a Queen song and I just like, don't stop me now. And I hated it. Like I just didn't, uh, we were given stems and I just like, they were like produce, produce a remix and uh, just use like all the inbuilt instruments in Ableton. And, um, and I was kind of just like, cause I wasn't a very, this was all new to me. I just sucked. And so I didn't think of like recording in instruments. I tried to use like all the inbuilt instruments and I was just like, this is so hard and I didn't get it. And I was like, you know, like production isn't for me, but my, uh, in, in the second year or the second half of the first year, a university lecturer, like uh, it was another production course that I was doing. He introduced us to, or he introduced me to Jay Diller and ah. <laughs> and Jay Diller's record Donuts, his mixtape mixtape Donuts, and I was like, oh, this is like, this is fucking amazing. I was like, this is you know, like I I came from like playing. So when I was a teenager, I was playing in like heaps of like I, I played in like a really. Um, a uh like a soul band that was like covering Motown and like stack stuff so I was like I I was very familiar growing up as a teenager I was listening to like a lot of soul music Dinah Ross Temptations Marvin Gaye sort of stuff so I was like really into that shit and I was like it never seemed possible like I always wanted to make that kind of music but I was like I was always envisioning it to be in a band with like 30 people because that's how you make that music. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, nah, you know, like it's just not possible, but you know, listening to this this Dilla record and obviously like the, I love, I fucking love that record. I was just like, this is, you know, and he was like, okay, you know, like your task is to just sample and make a song out of samples. And 
that's what really got me hooked because I was like, I can make this soul sound just by myself. You know, I can sample, I can have fun. I don't have to wait on like, you know, the band to come or like, you know, I don't have to rely on anyone else to help with the writing. Like, it's just like the freedom to be able to do that yourself is just wild. So that's sort of, you know, going back to like what I was saying about how I was talking about how when I first started, I was doing like beat stuff. So like, I'd, you know, like I remember this task, this, this assessment task, sampling a like Marvin Gay song and then, you know, like, which obviously can't do, but like, it was just a uni task, you know, it was in class, taking one sample and looping it with right, another. Right, right. And, and I was just like having a lot of fun with it. And I got really good at like performing. Like I was like, I had this APC 40 and I was like triggering everything on the MIDI controller. And I was like, I, yeah, like I was just like so fascinated by this. Like I just thought it was so cool. And it's really interesting. Like I was literally, um, yesterday I was watching this documentary on Netflix about, um, Dr. Uh, Dr. Dre and like how beats happened and how it sold to Apple and like where his background came from. Not that I'm comparing, you know, like my story, obviously not com- comparing that, but like, I was just talking, like, <laughs> I was just listening to like what he was saying about how, like when he got into music production, like he didn't play an instrument, but he was like, you know, like mixing, like, you know, like a, a really, you know, classic 50 songs with like, just like drum loops and then mixing it together. And like, this was this new sound that no one had, you know, like, and this was this thing that no one else was doing. And it was just like blowing everyone's mind. Like it's, you know, like the whole mixing thing is like what got me hooked, like to be able to create all this really unique sound and like be able to have fun with sampling. And like, that's sort of like, yeah, when, like, I was watching that, I was like, shit, like, that's, you know, like, mixing and, like, sampling and everything is just, like, it's the future. Like, it's just, like, it's one of those things that I just, like, was just, like, this is so cool. Um, and, yeah, that's sort of, like, you know, what I was, like, I I had that moment. I had that light bulb moment. I was, like, this is so sick. Like, I can literally create all this music on my laptop and create new compositions and just have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and go deep into the the manipulations of sounds yeah. and, and textures of those things. Yeah, like um yeah. I sort of, you know, like I really like to think of as a composition as in like, you know, like especially I'm dreaming, like the sound is like thick and collagey and I sort of, you know, like I kind of think that like, you know, soul music, the way it's sort of when you listen to a Motown record like every, you know, there could be like 50 tracks on it, like 50 stems of like different instrument, you know, different instruments playing simultaneously, different melodies, but everything works and everything just like, you can hear everything clearly, like everything plays its piece Mm. in this big puzzle. And sort of, that's sort of how I really like to kind of think of music, like not just, you know, like drums, bass, chords, melody like lead you know like I really just like I feel like everything can work together to create this like beautiful lush wall of sound um and that's sort of like yeah that's sort of like how I still approach production um yeah um and I guess yeah from then on I um to where I am now is what you asked initially uh (laughs) I'm going on a big story storytelling um it's perfect it's perfect that's why we're here (laughs) yeah so I guess like I was kind of getting really yeah like so at that point I had Charlie put out Charlie and I was like this is really fun um 
and I was getting heaps of, uh, like, I was getting heaps of shows by, like, I was literally, like, going through, like, magazines and seeing who was playing at, like, my favourite venues in Melbourne and then hitting them up and being like, hey, do you need a, do you need an opener? I've got my hand up. If you need an opening act, like, let me know. Um, and so I got several supports out of that. And, um, and that was really cool because it's sort of just, like, really... Even though they weren't the perfect genre match, it was just really cool just being able to play in, like, bigger venues rather than, like, really shitty bars and stuff like that, which is, like, where I first started. Um, and so I was kind of doing that and then eventually, yeah, like, as I was saying before, Touch came out and that's where I had a publicist and and he put my song, like, he was pushing my that song and it got a bit of radio play here in Australia. And out of that, I had shows, I had a tour. And out of that, I sort of secured like a booking agent. And that's when I started to get like a lot of shows. And like, I did like a, I did like the Australian equivalent of um, South by Southwest um, that year. Okay. It's called Big Sound. And out of that, like, I, um, you know, like I, I, um, I, I found the label that I, I'm signed to now in Australia. And, um, and yeah, it just sort of started to like, I was, you know, during that time, like I was playing heaps of shows. Like I sort of like was getting a lot of show offers, which was amazing. And I always feel like, you know, um, I feel like playing shows is like one of the most important things to do as an artist. Like, you know, there are so many situations where like a song or an artist will blow up and they're, you know, like their streaming is so ridiculous, but like they haven't played a live show. Like, I feel like, Right. I feel like that's scary. Like, I feel like it's like live shows are so important because like, you know, people buying tickets, like you could have like so many, you know, so many millions of people listening to music, but no one buys tickets to your shows, you know? So I feel like I'm really lucky that I was given enough. I was given so many opportunities to tour from a young, uh, from early stages of my career, which really helped boost that. And I feel like in the long run, it's definitely like, a really, it's been a really helpful thing. Um, so I was playing heaps of shows at the time and recording I'm Dreaming and sort of that's when I had this record. Uh, I started to finish this record and I flew over to Canada and did Canadian Music Week and that's where I met my US Rest of the World label Last Gang Records. Um, and then, yeah, I, I put out my first record I'm Dreaming and that was my first baby. Um exciting <laughs> it was um it Hell yeah. it was you know first record vibes like no expectations just like it was a hey we'll just put it out see how we go and out of that I after that I probably played like a hundred shows in 2018 I played South by I was like really like doing heaps of stuff and that's sort of where I sort of started to turn a page again and I was kind of flipping back into studio mode and, mode. and so like in between all these tours I was doing heaps of um I was doing heaps of writing sessions and I was maturing as a as a producer like at that time I wasn't really getting hit up to do a lot of production or people weren't really seeing me as a producer for some reason um but yeah I was just getting heaps getting heaps of work getting into heaps of sessions especially for this Alice, this next Alice record. I was like, yep, got to write heaps of music for the second record. And, um, and then, yeah, like, I guess like that came together and yeah, I guess it's, it's been pretty weird. Like that's a very, very sort of short way of describing where I am, how I got to where I am now. But last year I put out my second record 
in a pandemic year was pretty tough. Um, but yeah, it's pretty nuts, like being able to see what happens. You know, like the world doesn't stop. So um, I got a couple of like ARIA nominations, which is sort of like big, sort of kind of in Australia. They're sort of like the like Grammy Grammys of Australia sort of vibe. Like a lot, obviously, a lot smaller. For sure. Um, but. Um, that's amazing. I got an Apple ad, like in my mind was on an Apple ad, which is pretty cool. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it just was like, you know, like That's... signed a publishing deal. I, I guess like, you know, things happened despite me not leaving my house. Um yeah, that's a that's amazing. Really, like te- quick ten minute description, fifteen minute description of like <laughs> where I got to, where how I got to where I am now. <laughs> so when you started getting some of those opening gigs for people is that when you started really kind of cutting your teeth with the live stuff and getting comfortable in that space because i know you said that it took you kind of a while to get really comfortable with the live show yeah 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 so i reckon it was like 2018 when i was on like 30 date tours in australia that was like where it was like every it was like every second day playing a show for like two months that's where i got really comfortable and I was doing that entirely solo as well. Like I was on a big national tour. Like it's funny thinking about it now. Like I just had my all my gear. I'd set everything up, sound check, pack it all off, set it up again, line check, play the show, pack it up, like do heaps of, you know, everyone want to talk to you afterwards. And then it's like, check yourself into the hotel, like get yourself on the flight the next day, like all by myself, which like <laughs> never again. <laughs> like I honestly think like I aged like 10 years in that in three months. Like it was just like intense, but I got good at it. Like it's like, it's, I mean, it's the same as like any tour. It's like you kind of get really comfortable with um after a while, you just like, you're like, yep, I'm getting used to this. I'm in my, and, and it's, you know, it always takes, it's it's the same as like when you add new songs to a set, like you're just like, uh, okay, all right. I'm, I know that this is how it goes and I'm okay with rehearse this. But then once you're like four shows deep, you're just like, woo, you know, like it's like you're comfortable with it. Yeah. <laughs> and what, once you started getting deeper into the, like the sampling and making the beats and the loops was it pretty uh easy for you to connect how you could incorporate your guitar playing into that yeah yeah I mean like again you know what I was saying before is I really like to sort of I don't like to hide behind decks so I try I was trying to like yeah incorporate guitar and live instrumentation as much as possible and so like that would be a simple case of like me just taking a synth line out of the track and me playing that on guitar or me doubling it on guitar to enhance the sound. Like, I feel like, I feel like, you know, some people, are. it depends on what kind of artist you are. Like it takes a little bit of getting used to playing with track. Like sometimes it's like, Oh, you kind of feel like a bit of a cheat. Cause you're like, Oh, it's in, it's in the track, you know, but it's also like, I'm an electronic artist. That's what I do. Right. You know what I mean? But like, sometimes it's like, I'm going to double this synth part to make it even sound even fatter in a live scenario. Or sometimes it's like, I'll take the bass out and I'll play bass instead. I'll play the bass line on my bass instead in a live scenario, if that makes sense. So um, it kind of depends yeah. on the situation, but yeah, like I, my guitarist Louie as well, like he's, he's a really good writer. And so he'll just like write parts that fit with the, um, 
fit with the with the songs and it just works it takes a little bit of nutting out but it works and as far as the the tracks that have vocal features are you ever writing any of those lyrics or is that always the 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 feature on the track writing uh no i mean it's a mixture of both so like generally i'm in the session with them and like i'm writing and like helping them with lyrics and stuff like that so it's not you know like a direct split of like you you know like they all those lyrics are theirs but like there are some songs that are entirely um you know of the artist it depends on what the vibe of the collaboration is like i don't really like to like you know, in a session, like if I go in, like I'll have references and I guess I will I might have instrumentals up my sleeve of like what I want to work on. But sometimes if the artist isn't feeling them, I feel like also like I don't really want to go into a session and be like, this is the brief, you know, like this is what I want it to, you know, I want to cover this in the lyrics. I want this it to sound like this because like, I feel like you're limiting the artist immediately before like you even step foot in the room with them. And I feel like that's kind of a kill of like, it can be a bit of a vibe kill. So kind of going into the studio in a like really open environment and not like having a couple of things up your sleeve just in case, but kind of keeping it as like easygoing as possible really helps bring out the best out of an artist, I think, because they also have some kind of, creative stake in it as well like it's not just a song they're singing that i wrote you know like i feel like they'll be less attached to that Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely yeah was it easy for you to kind of see that from an early age of doing this stuff or did it did it take time to kind of have that patience or kind of that wherewithal to be like yeah, you know what? I should really like open this up to somebody else's vision if they're going to be participating in the track. I guess it was just a thing that I sort of have always had in my head since the get-go because I haven't known it anywhere, anyway, in another scenario, if that makes sense. Like I've never, producing was new to me and I sort of was always like, yeah, like let's, I want to write, I want to get a rapper on this song. And then it's like, well, I can't rap. Like I'm really like, I, you know, like I'm not going to even, you know, like, I don't even want to touch that. And so it's just like kind of going in and being like, hey, what do you think of this beat? Like, and then they'll be like, oh, you know, like I I kind of just like will sit with them and like develop the lyrics and melody with them. But like I also, yeah, I, I feel like it's really cool to keep it open just because like, yeah, like if I went into a session and I was like, hey, um, you know, and, and I totally get it. Like, it's a very non-pop thing to do. Like, I know that pop world, like, works, like, with pre-written songs. But, like, sometimes, you know, I'll have a song, for example, like, you know, in my mind, the chorus was already written. Like, I had written that with um, with another artist. And so then it was like, okay, like, we want to get someone on the verses. And so I was like, no, that's going to be the chorus. But, like, would you be keen to do some, like, let's try some stuff on the verses. And then so I sat with that artist for two days writing the verses together um, to a point that I thought, you know, it all fitted well. So, yeah, I guess, like, giving artists creative freedom and, and giving them a stake in the song really helps keep things great and, you know, keeps them enthusiastic about the song because it's their song too, if that makes sense. I'm seeing 
track anyway yeah <laughs> so you're not like yeah you're, you're not like diving into some situation where you're just like working with some random person yeah no i um yeah i mean with alice stuff it's like i mean i kind of have two sides to what i do now like a lot of you know at the moment i'm working a lot as a pro- as a producer in other circumstances so like you know not all the sessions are alice and it's sort of like yeah, establishing who the song's for when you go into the session is really important. Um, but, yeah, like, for Alice, it's, like, it's not just, like, it's a picky thing. Like, I have specific ideas for songs and um, ideas of where I want to take this next record as well. And, um, yeah, it's, like, you know, with I'm Dream- uh, sorry, with Don't Sleep, like, I had a list of artists that I really wanted to work with that I thought were really truly inspiring and I reached out to them and like you know like eight out of ten of them like said yes to jumping into the studio and you know those songs made the record so I guess like being able to do that is pretty cool (laughs) was there any sort of different approach with making don't sleep opposed to I'm dreaming yeah I mean don't sleep was definitely like as, uh, like opened up to the world so like I, I was doing writing sessions I did writing trips specifically for it in the to the states and to the UK and to Canada I spent a time a bit of time over there and I guess it was just like instead like I'm dreaming was kind of just like building and building and building like whilst like don't sleep it was like I went away and I wrote a shit ton of songs and then I cut them down and then I cut them down again and then I cut down again and then I sort of like, then I then I fine-tuned everything and, you know, like there still is an element of like, you know, like I feel like it does sequence for sure but it's not as like on point as I'm Dreaming was and I feel like, but I feel like it still does work. But I feel like, you know, me growing as a producer and as an artist and as a writer, like I sort of feel like, I was ready to just like branch out and to try and to put myself into different situations. Like I'm dreaming was written in my bedroom studio, like in Melbourne, whilst like don't sleep was like written around the world in different studios and with, you know, different artists of many levels and backgrounds. And, you know, like I, I sort of just like, that's how it happened. Um, I guess, like, I feel like the songwriting on Don't Sleep, to me, like, my own songwriting and production is is a lot more mature than I'm Dreaming was. Like, I feel like it's a very, I mean, you know, not in a bad way. Like, I feel like it's just a little more grown up. And that comes naturally with a second record, I think. Yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, to me, listening to Don't Sleep, I still get that playlist vibe, you know, of, of that it just, like, flows really well. And, and obviously, I think that's definitely just a part of having a bunch of different features on the record which gives it those different feels and flares but it also just has you know a little bit more of those those pop sensibilities seem to to shine through yeah. on that record which yeah. i appreciate the hell out yeah. of like <laughs> yeah it's definitely yeah. A lot, definitely a lot more um poppy a little more radio friendly i think um which yeah i don't think it's a bad thing i just like yeah i guess i was just like you know, getting quicker and 
better at songwriting. I mean, as in like, I was just like, my songwriting is, a, is was more sophisticated on the second record and that came with being more comfortable in the studio. And um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's still like a lot of cool production shit going on like throughout the record. Like I really love just in general how you use the vocals as as instruments, you know, not just as the melody, but use it percussively even at times. Thinking about Ticket to Heaven yeah. is like around the 150 to two minute mark where you start using the vocal like at the tail end of something yeah. just as this instrument and like right before it breaks into the second verse yeah, is like a very exactly, cool moment. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, like, Hell yeah. Heaven, yeah. Heaven, yeah. Heaven, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good, so <laughs> thank good. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, oh, thank you so much. stuff like I sort of like that was a song that I did have the chorus melody idea in my head already as soon as I went in like I had the instrumental and I had that and I was like I want to recreate this like big wall of vocals that has this like really warm sort of feeling and it's almost like Scandinavian almost like that big sort of like vocal chant vibe um and I also love yeah I love vocal chopping like I love cutting up vocals and like using them in percussive ways and putting them on drum, drum racks in Ableton and messing with like the tone and pitch and yeah that stuff's so much fun. Yeah, do you enjoy the the production and the mixing as much as the live show? Yeah, for sure. Like I feel like Is it is it is there one that you prefer over the other? No, I mean it, I definitely like I feel like when you're in a session that's really good and you're like it's awesome and like you're really excited about the song I feel like that is just it is the same feeling as when you're playing to like a sold out hometown show and it's like really exciting and everyone knows every single word to your songs like I feel like both are both experiences are so different, but like so amazing. Like it's, it's sick. And like, you know, one thing that like also is really important to remember is like everything stems off songs. So like songwriting is the most important thing of being an artist because like touring and all the opportunities that happen come with putting out music and come with writing songs. So, um, yeah, once you're onto a good song, like once you're having a really good time in a session, it's, I feel like that is exactly the same feeling as like the best live show ever for sure. Even though they're completely different environments, like you're in a dark studio, like in your own head kind of vibe, but then there's like, you know, yeah. compared to like a, or even like a massive festival slot, 
where you're just like playing in front of thousands of people and it's like this is surreal you know um yeah both on level both on par i reckon are you uh often surprised when you're doing a collaboration where someone like a different like where that artist you're working with will take one of your songs and maybe like take it in a direction that you didn't even know was possible yeah that happens all the time and i love it i think like that's like the coolest thing about collaborating is that you don't know where it's going to go you have no idea um and especially when you meet someone for the first time and you're just like i kind of hear them doing this like i kind of can hear them doing this but like then they'll try something else and it's like oh actually like that's really cool you know like I love that with collaborating is that, you know, you're collaborating with people like they're bringing something to the table that you can't do, you know? And I feel like it's, it's cool to work with artists who like break the boundaries and like can break that sound and, you know, yeah, like coming out with something that you had no idea was going to happen is like the best part about collaborating. Sometimes it can be really great. Sometimes it can be really shit. It, it, it goes, it goes either way. And it's like, but like, I feel like as a whole, it's just like, it's a really special experience and it's just like really cool to sort of always keep an open mind and understand that like not every song, you know, it takes 20 good songs to write a good song, you know, like that's just the way it goes. So you feel like even if it's a a shitty experience or a good experience, it kind of like adds to your your lens of how you create in the future kind of thing. Yeah. Like you learn from mistakes as well. Like, you know, even if you have a not so great experience in a writing session. Like you can digest what happened. Like, what was it? You know, like what could I have done to prevent that? Or like, I feel like there's always something. Yeah. There's always something in a situation where you're just like, this is not like, yeah, it's, it's not a vibe, you know, like, I, I, it, sorry, there's always something that you can learn from, but yeah, like I kind of pick it pretty quickly. Like, these days, like if, if it's not going anywhere and I guess like, yeah, just even if you get one thing down, like that's it, you know, even if you have bad days, even if it's by myself where I'm just like feeling really flat and I just can't get anything down, it always takes you a little bit to get back into like your, when you have writer's block to get back into it. And like, as long as you get something down that day, I feel like that's, even if it's like, not so good the next, you know, when you listen to it the next day and you're like, oh, I could maybe change that. Like, at least it's something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Are you good at Are you good at walking away from a song or, like, knowing when it's finished? Or were you just keep tinkering and yeah. messing with things like to a meticulous level over and over yeah i don't know i feel like i've sort of like i do mess with things over and over again but like i think like just deadlines in place have stopped me from taking things any further i feel like i feel like every artist i don't know i feel like it's hard to say like when a song is perfect like i feel like i am not you know even though like I don't know. I feel like there's always something that can be changed in a song. Like if it's like, I feel like for me, I've never had the perfect song. I've never had the perfect mix. Like there's always been something where I've been like, God, you know, like I wish I could have changed that. But like, I feel like that's just a normal part about being an artist. I feel like everyone does that. Yeah. (laughs) 
And hopefully you get some of those opportunities in in the live set to like make yeah. those adjustments that you wanted to to make on the record. Exactly. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. I reckon that's honestly the funnest part is like sometimes there'll be just you know just rearranging stuff for live. I love doing that because it's like you know for ticket for example you know like we start ticket to heaven just like fully just guitar and vocals and then it builds you know like and it's just like because it's such a such a sad song like and it, we place it in the set strategically so it's just like a breathing moment it's 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 very cool to sort of think of it in a different space and um yeah I, I I feel like I did that on the first record a lot I feel like I wrote that record with my mind as in like you know like this I was thinking about the live scenario the second record was like thinking about like pop songs and like you know me feeling a little bit more mature about songwriting and 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 then piecing it together in the end so yeah I guess like yeah my favorite part is definitely being able to like remix it again after you've finished yeah yeah Yeah. so as far as like initial ideas for songs are you often still like writing things on a guitar or like coming up with something on keys or is it usually like working off of some sort of like drum loop that you've built in the box uh no i mean a lot a lot of the time lately i've been starting like especially with doing a lot of um more co-writes i've i've started to just go back to guitar and just being like what do you think of this chord progression and then being like okay let's replay that on the juno and like let's like or let's like build a drum track to it and let's put bass to it but let's take the guitar back out you know and then like done it that way so yeah like i feel like these days songwriting i do generally like to start on the guitar which is cool yeah and if you're doing like if if you're writing an instrument instrumental track versus something that does feature a vocalist is there a different approach for you there or is it kind of just figuring it out as you're making the production like oh this is definitely built to have a vocal feature or a rapper on it uh so so when i go so um asking like when i go into songwriting i always think about having a vocal on it or or is it like an end thought for me or what do you mean yeah Yeah. i guess like yeah like while like is it something maybe you realize while you're making the song that it's built for a vocalist or not or is it kind of a mindset prior to starting the initial idea um, no, I, I guess like I always, I, with songwriting now, I generally do think that it, you know, like I'll, I'll be like, I'll generally like pick up a guitar and I'll start harming a melody and I'll be like, oh, like this is really cool. Like it kind of reminds me of this. And then I'll be like, oh, like this person would, would sound really cool on this, like with that kind of vibe. So that's sort of like how I write songs these days whilst I'm dreaming days was like instrumental and then it's like oh maybe I should get a vocalist on it you know like I feel like I've fully kind of turned a page with that now like there are a couple of you know like I I kind of do really love to do instrumentals and stuff like that but I feel like yeah nowadays I'm sort of just thinking more with a uh, more of a pop mind yeah who would you say up to now have been like the people in your life that have been instrumental in in building you up and kind of giving you the confidence to chase this thing down um oh. i know that's a big one 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's, um, I mean, obviously, like, my parents have been really supportive. I remember, like, my mom does, like, all my bookkeeping and stuff now, which is sick. Like, she, she's she got a full... Oh, that's amazing. She's, like, still really involved. Um, but, yeah, like, when I... Like, they've always been really enthusiastic about me participating in music and, like, me playing instruments and, you know, like, they were really supportive in my initial days when I started playing guitar and, and you know, they're at every hometown show possible. Um, so, yeah, and they're, like, really you know, they're, I, I have a lot of respect for them. Like they're sort of just like, they're really supportive and like they, you know, like from a young age, like they took me around the world and like they, they're really into like traveling and stuff. So I saw a lot from a young age. And so like them kind of being really supportive in that, because it's also hard finding a family that's like, understands what it is you do, you know, like it's not my parents, you know, I don't have, yeah. I don't have, shitty conversations with my parents particularly at you know like at the christmas table about like what it is i actually do for work like they fully understand <laughs> what it is you know like it's like it's yeah. not a hobby whilst like yeah. you know like sometimes i'll have you know at, on the uh the outer family like it's like you'll you'll sit down and it's just like so when are you going to start getting a re- when are you going to get a real job kind of thing and it's like no like yeah. this is a business like it's not like it's not like I'm doing this as a hobby right. like it's like you know it's 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 going all right you know like so so i i feel like i'm very <laughs> blessed to have a family that's like really supportive um and who yeah. You know, shout out my or- mum who does my bookkeeping and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or there's the people that do the thing where they're like, So are you still playing music? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. I'm like do like actively pursuing this as my like my yeah. life. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like it's just like I feel like it's just so funny. Like I, I get really tired, like I get very fatigued about with these conversations. It's like I, that's why I don't really like to talk about my work anymore, like at extended family dinners, because I just get tired about it. Ex- I, and I, I, I kind of just like, I I know, like I can try and explain, but it's going to be hard. So like, you know, even just describing what a producer <laughs> is can be really hard. And I, I get it. I get it. it it's a really, yeah. I mean, I get confused about what production is sometimes, you know, but like it can be, yeah. <laughs> I, so I really do appreciate my parents a lot because they are absolute legends and they have been supportive since the day, since day one and they get it, which I love. Um, I also really, yeah. I mean, like there was a really, there was a, um, in high school, there was this, guy called Ross Lipson, who was like a teacher. He was a music teacher. And he was like, he kind of was like curating this band that I was playing in doing this like soul Motown stuff. And he was like a really true believer in um, thinking of like forward ways to like put out music and like ways of performing. And he was just like a very, he was just a really cool guy. Like he passed away sadly because of cancer a few years ago. And, but he definitely had a massive, um, influence on me as uh, when I was young and he was always like he was a believer like he was also like the like no like I feel like you can do this better like you know it's like a support net like a supporting person but also like a an honest person who's like no I think like we can maybe do something better here I feel like you could maybe do something a little better here kind of vibe so and I really appreciate that honesty um 
I also feel like, I, yeah, like another person, like my manager, Zach, Zach and I have worked together for like six years. So he's been like five years, sorry, not six. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he's been there since, um, he's been there since day one, pretty much. So like he's sort of really understood what the project is and, you know, he's seen, we've grown together and, um, you know, like he is like, you know, I trust him entirely. And so like having him on board too is just like amazing. Yeah. So three really important people in my life who've helped me. Well, shout out to your parents and <laughs> shout out to Zach. Yeah. Cause he's the one that helped, uh, link us up so that we could have this conversation. So I'm also super <laughs> appreciative of, of Zach. Legend. He's, uh, <laughs> Is your uncle still around? And my uncle, yeah, yeah, yeah. My uncle's still around. He's um. That must that must be a trip for him to like see what you're doing now after kind of being that person that you know showed you the ways of the studio when you were a kid. It's pretty funny, like, yeah, I yeah, it is it is funny. I I wish I could, yeah. Obviously, I haven't seen him in a little bit because of COVID. I I haven't been able to get over to Europe, but like especially now ever since like the past year like I've just moved into a new studio and every time we get together we've always talked gear like we just talked about synths and like plugins and all this stuff and yeah I've never thought about it but yeah you're totally right like it must be a weird trip for him to sort of <laughs> be yeah it must be so weird for him to think about it now because I remember like yeah he always he he was playing in bands and stuff like that and you know like my first sort of recording experience was with him um yeah pretty pretty yeah. pretty wild i'm sure he thinks it's the coolest it has to be <laughs> <laughs> that how bizarre cover that you just <laughs> dropped is so good i watched it today <laughs> and i was just like oh this is this is amazing thank you everybody should definitely check that out I'll put the link in the episode notes for Sick. sure yeah thank you it was definitely an honor um so like yeah so there's this radio station in in australia called triple j and um so we don't really have college radio or anything here so it's like it's like mainstream radio and then it's like there's community radio and then there's like this like big sort of indie station called Triple J and every Friday they get a band to do a cover and I covered OMC's How Bizarre with uh, a couple of good friends of mine all day in Odette and it's yeah it was a lot of fun it was it was a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) it looked like it for sure appreciate you giving me some of your time it's been a pleasure to to chat with you and i've like just really enjoyed listening to your music and uh it's always cool to get to talk to somebody and and learn where it comes from and i've definitely got that that jay dilla donuts record is somewhere behind me in in my record crates (laughs) so good yeah absolutely absolutely. working on it Yeah, <laughs> such a game changer, and obviously he has uh, an important place, like in the zeitgeist, and has influenced 
probably every producer up up until this point but it always seems like it's this this mind-blowing thing when you uh when you find the jay dilla stuff it opens up this this entire different realm of the world yeah yeah so rest in peace (laughs) r.i.p um but thank you for for doing the thing and, and chatting with me, and I can't encourage people enough to to check out your tunes and check out your records and all the all the live videos <laughs> of you performing and to you know catch a Alice Ivy show yeah. since they're they're actually happening again <laughs> and and hopefully uh, we'll have some some real touring going on in the in the states in the near future. I'm really hoping to be over next year. I really hope. Yeah, hopefully that's a thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> that would be killer. But um, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, yeah. which is, it's it's a, it's a program. It's a program. A program. You're, it's a pro- program. Oh, it's a program. Right. It. <laughs> yeah, it's a program. It's a program. <laughs> <laughs> it's Alice Ivy, everybody. She nailed it. Uh, yeah, thanks for hanging. Love the music. Um, and uh, I'm going to play it out with one of my favorite tracks off Don't Sleep. And that is uh, the Better Man track, oh, which features uh, Benjamin Joseph. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for staying up late. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. And uh, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with you. And that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, Australia, <laughs> wherever you're listening from. You're the first person from Australia to be on the show. So thank you so much for breaking the, the, the boundary there. Hey, the time zone barriers. Well, we're here. Thank you so much. Say what you want, say what you need, say what you do this time. Maybe you swim, maybe you sink, maybe you're learning to climb. No matter which back street you go. Each day we fall over, there's a chance for us to grow. Broke all your things, you keep on dancing. No, sir.
just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to Distro Kid. Stay up, stay tuned.